The scripture this morning is going to be from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Natali, but in the future... He will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when, driving the plum, when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdened them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I want to uh, begin by reading something that you ladies have heard. Uh, This is an excerpt from a reading at the Christmas tea, but I think it's appropriate to start our Christmas series with this. So just a couple paragraphs from that. Who is this Jesus? He is the creator king. This child born in a humble manger, was no less king in his mother's arms than when ruling at the father's right hand. He was no mere child, but the very one by whom all things were made. The creator stepped into creation. Today I want to uh, begin a four-part Christmas series. Uh, The first three messages will be today and the next two Sunday mornings, and then we'll finish it at the Christmas Eve service. And what I want to do in this series is to talk about who that baby in the manger really was. We get caught up a lot in the idea of a baby in the manger. And sometimes we forget about who he was, really. And I want us to focus on that uh, in these messages uh, for Christmas. So let's pray and uh, we'll get started. 
Our Father, we thank you for the time we've had already, Lord, such wonderful songs to express gratitude, uh, to express praise, to remember why you came, why you came for us, what it led to, the cross. Father, we thank you for times like this when we can gather as your people and we can together remember. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through this series. Help us to once again have it placed in our mind who it was in that manger. And how amazing that birth really was. So, um, start it off today, Lord. Speak to us. We pray for those who can't be with us, Lord, who would love to be here. Uh, Father, I pray that they would sense your presence. Uh, Father, if they need provision, provide. If they need healing, heal. But Father, minister to them and bring them back to us soon. To worship with us in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. On December 20th, 47 years ago, our daughter was born. We were in the Park Rapids Hospital for that birth. And we had already decided what to call our daughter what her name would be, before she was even born. <clears throat> and so uh, she was born. And uh, at some point, I was called to a desk to talk to a nurse who was filling out the birth certificate. And, uh, <clears throat> of course, she congratulated me and, and told me that she needed information for the birth certificate, and um, she started with, so what are you going to call her? What will her name be? And I said, it's going to be Allison K. Bjornrud. And she asked, how are you going to spell Allison? So I said, A-L-L-I-S-O-N. She wrote it down. And she said, um, and how are you going to spell her middle name, K? And uh, I said, K. And she said, oh, it's not K-A-Y or K-A-Y-E? I said, no, it's K. She said, oh, it's an abbreviation. K, so I should put a period there. I said, no, it's not an abbreviation. It's her name. K. And the nurse said, well, then, is it K-A-Y or K-A-Y-E? I said, no. It's K. And it's not an abbreviation with a period? I said, no. It's K. Why waste all those letters when it sounds the same? It's K. And so, on her birth certificate, it's Allison K, no period, Bjornrud. That's what we called her. 
And I found it interesting that our secretary tried to help me just like the nurse did and put a period after K. Did you see that in the study sheet? We called her Allison K. Bjornrud. And we decided that, we determined it before she was ever born. Well, the title of this series is He Will Be Called. And as you know, you've been through enough Christmases that the prophets and the angels, before he even came, before the Messiah even came and was born, told us, told someone what he would be called, right? And so in this series, that's where we're going. I want us in these messages to look at some of the names, some of the titles that the Messiah would be called. And we have four of them. Here in our text today, Isaiah 9. So hopefully you're still there uh, because we'll be looking at this. Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, when you come to verse 6, you have four names or titles that the Messiah would be called. Uh, wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Also in this series, we'll look at the name Emmanuel. We will look at the title Son of God. And then on Christmas Eve, we'll come back to this verse and we'll conclude with Prince of Peace. So six of them, six names or titles that he would be called. So today, three of them. We're going to look at Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Before we do that, as you know, this verse obviously would be in some context. Um, and there is a context around it. There is a historical, contextual background to this verse, uh, this passage, Isaiah 9, 1-7. Uh, you can find it in the 8th chapter. And maybe you want to read that sometime. Not now, but read that sometime. I'll just tell you what the context is. The prophet Isaiah is letting the people of Israel know that the king of Assyria and his army are going to march on Israel. They are going to invade. And uh, when they do that, on their way to Jerusalem, they will come from the north, which means they will first go through the northern tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali. And when they come from the north and go through those first two regions, they are going to conquer them and take over. And the last verse of chapter 8 tells us what Isaiah says will be the result of that. He says, Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom 
and they will be thrust into our utter darkness. Not a very pretty picture. But Isaiah is saying that's what's going to happen to Zebulun and Naphtali when the Assyrians come on their way to Jerusalem. They are going to invade these two areas and the result will be darkness. It will be distress. It will be gloom. But then we come to chapter 9. And Isaiah gives good news to follow that bad news. And he gives a prophecy about the future. We're going to see in there the words, in the future. He gives a prophecy that includes good news for these two areas, Naphtali and Zebulun. So let's just... uh, Look at that. In verse 1 he says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee. You see, when we come to the New Testament, this area that he's talking about, Naphtali and Zebulun, will be called Galilee, mainly, the northern part of Israel. And so he says, in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned upon them. And then he goes on to say, there will be joy. And in the future, there'll be rejoicing in those areas. And in the future, there'll be no more warriors. There'll be no more war. There'll be peace. And everything that was used for warfare will be burned up. Won't be needed. And the yoke that was placed upon Zebulun, Naphtali, Galilee will be removed. There'll be a a freeing in the future. And so there's a prophecy of this good news, things to come. There's also a prophecy of a person to come. A person is going to come that will bring about this good news. And he mentions that person in verse 6. He says, this is going to be the case in the future for, because, to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Someone is going to be born. It's going to be a person that will bring about this good news. And he says the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called. He will be called. And we have those three names that we're going to look at today. Let's look at the first one. This person who will bring about this, this good news, this peace, this joy, this rejoicing, this freedom, no more darkness, no more distress, will first of all be called Wonderful 
counselor. Wonderful counselor. The Hebrew meaning for the word counselor is one who gives wise advice and direction. Makes sense, right? A counselor, according to the Hebrew word, is one who gives wise advice and direction. In the Greek, counselor means one called alongside to help. So similar, one called alongside to help. And we're familiar with counselors. And so this person who's going to come in the future, Isaiah says, and bring about this good news is going to be a counselor. But there's a word before counselor. He says this person will be a wonderful counselor. Not just a counselor. A wonderful counselor. We have to think about what the word wonderful means. Just looking at the word, we can say it means full of wonder. Right? Wonderful. Full of wonder. Last night after my sauna, as I do traditionally, if I'm home on Saturday night, I watched Lawrence Welk. And Lawrence Welk is known for a saying that he says on every show at some point. You know what it is? Wonderful, wonderful. And he's usually describing uh, someone who is just saying or something the band has just played. But he's known for, for that phrase, wonderful, wonderful. Isaiah says that this person who is going to come and bring about this good news will be called Wonderful Counselor. Here's what the word wonderful means. So out of the ordinary, beyond expectation, or imperfectly understood, that feelings of astonishment and awe are produced. That's a long definition. Well, let me read that again. Wonderful. This is what it means. So out of the ordinary, beyond expectation or imperfectly understood, that feelings of astonishment and awe are produced. That sounds almost supernatural, doesn't it? Out of the ordinary, beyond expectation, imperfectly understood, so that it creates a feeling of awe. And Isaiah said, this person who's going to come and bring about this good news, this joy, this peace, this light, will be called Wonderful Counselor. Not just Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. A counselor that is not ordinary. A counselor that is beyond expectation. A counselor that you can't understand and comprehend to the point where this counselor will produce awe. You could say, he will be called awesome counselor. But he'll be called something else. 
Isaiah says he'll be called mighty God. We don't have to spend time looking at definitions there, do we? Mighty, power, strength. This person who will come, this child who will be born, this son who will be given, will be called mighty God. He will be God. I mean, that's not a hard phrase to understand. He will be called mighty God. And then Isaiah says he will be called everlasting father. This child to be born, this son to be given, who will bring joy and peace and freedom and light will be called everlasting father. Everlasting, eternal, no beginning, no end. That's rare. There's only one being that I know of that fits that. God, right? No beginning, no end. And Isaiah says that this person will be called Everlasting Father. So, uh, just look at those three. A child will be born, a son will be given, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Awesome Counselor, unlike any other counselor, Supernatural Counselor. He'll be called Mighty God. He will be God. And he will be called Everlasting Father. Isaiah is not talking here about the birth of a human being. This isn't some common baby he's talking about that's going to be born and bring light and freedom and and joy and, and rejoicing to those in distress and despair and fear and darkness. These three names are only true of One being, God. God is the wonderful counselor. God is the mighty God. God is everlasting Father. So, can we identify this person? Can we identify who this child, this son, will be? Of course we can. It's Jesus, right? He's the one that came. John said the Word became flesh, dwelt among us. As you look at that passage in John 1, it becomes clear the Word is referring to Jesus. And so John is saying in his first chapter that Jesus became flesh. It's called the incarnation. The divine takes on flesh. God takes on the form of a man. Fully God, fully man in one person. Jesus Christ. You want to see something interesting? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. 
Matthew chapter 4. In case you want to know why we would say this is Jesus that Isaiah is talking about, take a look at Matthew 4, starting in verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Now remember, Galilee, northern Israel, at the time of the Gospels, would be the area that would have been called Naphtali and Zebulun in the book of Isaiah. So it says, leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. Notice verse 14. Why did he go there? To fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. And then he quotes the prophecy. Verse 15. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. What is Matthew quoting? He's quoting from Isaiah 9, 1 to 7. And he is saying that Jesus, when he went there to Galilee, that area, fulfilled that prophecy in Isaiah 9, 6. So based on what Matthew tells us, who was the person, who was the child born, who was the son given that would bring freedom and light and joy and rejoicing to Naphtali and Zebulun? None other than Jesus. But here's a question. Why would Jesus, if it's Jesus, why would he be called Wonderful Counselor? Awesome Counselor, Supernatural Counselor. Why would Jesus be called Mighty God? Why would Jesus be called Everlasting Father? There's a simple answer to that question. Because that's who he was. That's who he is. Jesus is wonderful counselor. Jesus is mighty God. Jesus is everlasting father. The child that was born was called those three things. They were true of him. The son that was given, Jesus, was called those three things because that's who he was. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. Jesus was God. 
who came to earth and took on the form of a man, fully God, fully man. Divine nature. He didn't give up being God. He didn't stop being God. Divine nature, human nature in the same person. Human nature, as we've talked about in our Sunday school class, logically being the pre-fall human nature. And you'll have to ask somebody in the class what that means. But uh, Jesus, God, come in the flesh. Now, a lot of people have trouble with that. A lot of people have trouble with saying that, <clears throat> for instance, Jesus would be mighty God. You might have some friends and some family who would have trouble with that. To say that Jesus, the one whose birth and coming we're celebrating, is God who came. If you do, I have a list of scriptures for you. To if the opportunity comes, share with them. I want to share them with you right now. So if you would look with me at the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. We'll start there. And just very quickly, we're going to go through this. I want to point this out. <clears throat> because there are people that have a problem with this. John 1.1 1, 1. <clears throat> In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And when we come down to verse 14, we find out the Word became flesh and made His dwelling with us. And even unbelievers might look at verse 14 and say, that sounds like Jesus. It is Jesus. But notice what it says about Him in verse 1. He was God. He was God. Verse 18. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made Him known. The one and only Son who is Himself God. Verse 3, well, let's start with 2. He was with God in the beginning, the Word, Jesus, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Creator, who's that talking about? The Word. Who's the Word? The one who became flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus. Jesus was God. The Creator. But wait a minute. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created, not Jesus. John 1.1 says, Jesus is God. And He created. John chapter 8, um, if you recall, is a time when, when Jesus just came right out and said to a group of Jewish people that He was the I Am. And they wanted to kill him. Why? 
because they knew he was claiming to be God. I am is the name reserved for God. And he was claiming to be the I am. Take a look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Verse 30. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. The same. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. Why? Well, Jesus said to them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of those are you stoning me? And they said, we are not stoning you for any good work, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. They knew what Jesus was claiming when he said, I and the Father are one. He was claiming to be God, and that's why they wanted to stone him. They saw that as blasphemy, his claim to be God. In John 14, 9, um, it's that... Uh, conversation in the upper room with the disciples where Jesus talks about leaving and preparing a place for them. And uh, he talks about the Father and that the only way to the Father is through him. And uh, one of the disciples says, show us the Father so we can know him. And you remember what Jesus said? He said, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen him. If you've seen me, You've seen God. Another big claim. Romans chapter 9. Romans 9. Paul is talking about the people of Israel. And in verse 5, he says, Theirs are the patriarchs. And from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all. The Messiah, Jesus, is God over all. Titus 2.13. Titus 2.13. Paul says, we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what Paul says. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 20, John calls Jesus the true God. And then in John 20, 28, after the resurrection, you remember when Jesus appeared to Thomas. And uh, upon seeing the, the nail prints, Thomas bows before him and says, My Lord and my God. Now, if Jesus was just a good, godly teacher, he couldn't accept that, could he? Accept Thomas's worship and calling him God? If, if Jesus was just a good teacher sent from God, 
like so many say, he would have done the right thing and said, Thomas, you can't call me that. I'm not God. There's only one God. But he didn't correct Thomas, did he? He accepted what Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Now, we can go on and on. That's just a sampling list for you. The point is, Isaiah was absolutely right. The child that was born, the son that was given, Jesus. The fulfillment, according to Matthew, of that prophecy. Is the wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. He is everlasting father. And if you have friends or family that have a hard time with that, I would just uh, look for an opportunity to say, hey, would you be open to taking this list of verses in the Bible and reading them? And, and could you just write down on a piece of paper what each one says about Jesus? Not what you've heard about Jesus, not what you've read in books about Jesus, but just what each of these verses says about Jesus. Can you just write that down as you go through them? And then let's talk. Let's talk about that. Because if they would do that, they would find that their paper would have a list of all these places where Jesus is referred to as God. And that begins a conversation with someone who has a hard time with Jesus being God. But if they have any respect or openness to the Word of God, you will have a conversation. Because the Bible is so clear, not only in the prophecies, but in Jesus' own claims and in the teaching, Isaiah was right. He was mighty God. So, how important is that? You know, we call it the deity of Christ, right? It's one of the top doctrines of Christianity. The deity of Christ, that he was indeed God who came. Is it really that important? What does it mean to us that Jesus was mighty God, everlasting Father, wonderful counselor who came to live among us? It's pretty important. Because as some of the songs we, we sang today tell us, He came and He lived. And then he went to the cross. He went to the cross and did what we could not do. What we sinners living in distress and fear and darkness and separation from God. What we couldn't do on our own. He did. As one without sin, he bore our sins on the cross 
And he was judged in our place so that forgiveness was available and a relationship with God. And then he went ahead and proved he was God by defeating death. And he can give that hope to anyone who follows him. That's pretty important. It's pretty important. And it's because the child that was born, the son that was given, wasn't just a mere baby. Let me read it again. Who is this Jesus? He is the creator king. This child, born in a humble manger, was no less king in his mother's arms than when ruling at the father's right hand. He was no mere child, but the very one by whom all things were made. The creator stepped into creation. God became flesh and lived among us. I can't explain it to you. I can't describe it in a way that you will totally understand how that could happen. But it happened. It's true. And Isaiah prophesied it. And Jesus fulfilled it. He was the child. He was the son. He is called and will always be called the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. So, we prepare for Christmas. I would guess everybody here is already doing that, right? In some way, you're preparing for Christmas. We all are. And we get really focused on that, preparing for Christmas. We're very intentional about it. And then eventually, we'll celebrate Christmas in a couple weeks. We'll celebrate it with family, with friends, with church community. But we'll celebrate Christmas. Some of us are already making plans. We're focusing on how we're going to celebrate Christmas. We're intentional about it. <clears throat> My question is, how are we going to respond to Christmas? How are we going to respond to the incarnation and who it was laying in the manger? How are we going to respond? Someone said this. It is bizarre to see that nothing has changed in most lives the week after Christmas. We intentionally prepare and focus on our preparations. We intentionally celebrate. But what about the day after and the week after Christmas? Are we as intentional about how we are going to respond to Christmas and what it really means? Or will we just go back to our regular lives the way it always is until next year when we prepare intentionally
and celebrate intentionally. But the week after Christmas, we're back to no intentional response to the wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Let's pray. Our Father, may we be as intentional as we are in the preparations and the celebration with thinking about how we're going to respond to this wonderful good news that Jesus, God in the flesh, came into this dark, sinful world to bring joy and rejoicing and freedom and light, forgiveness, hope, peace, salvation. Father, may we be as intentional about thinking how we will respond and how the truth of Christmas and who is in the manger will impact our lives. Help us, Lord, to be intentional about that. In the name of the mighty God who came, we pray. Amen.